Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Anyways, this morning I want to jump uh, right into the Word this morning. And let's see here. Deuteronomy chapter 32 is where we're going to start this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 32. And I've been, this is honestly something that I have been wrestling with for probably over uh, two or three years now. Just this text and everything that it has inside of it. And I believe if I have any pulse on where I think our church is and where we're going, I think that I have a word from God for us this morning. And so Deuteronomy chapter 32, we'll start reading in verse 48. The same day the Lord said to Moses, Go to Moab, the mountains east of the river, and climb Mount Nebo, which is across from Jericho. Look out across the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to the people of Israel as their own special possession. Then you will die there on the mountain. You will join your ancestors, just as Aaron, your brother, who died on the mountain and joined his ancestors. For you betrayed me with the Israelites at the waters of Mirab Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. You failed to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel there. So you will see the land from a distance. So you will see the land from a distance. But you may not enter it. You may not enter the land that I am giving the children of Israel. You can see it from a distance, but you can't enter it. Flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 34. Then Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed the Pishkin Peak, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead as far as Dan. I'm going to skip down to verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land that I on oath promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants, I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes, but you will not enter the land. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Moses, my servant, is dead. Everybody say Moses. Moses, my servant, is dead. I'm giving you the highlights and then I'm going to go back and fill this in for you. Joshua chapter 3. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through camp giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the ark of your Lord God, move from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, 
they will guide you. Since you have never traveled this way before, the presence of the Lord will guide you. Stay about a half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. This is what I want you to get. I don't like the way that the NLT says this, but I wanted to read it from the NLT because in the version that I read it, the words are too hard and I don't want to have to pronounce them all. I'm just saying. Then Joshua told the people, I'm going to say it like it reads in the Bible that I read all the time. Then Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves. Purify yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do great wonders among you. Look at your neighbor and say, Consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Father, this morning... I pray that you would speak to us through your word. I pray that we would leave this place encouraged and given over to what you are asking us to take hold of. Lord, come and do what only you can do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Jansen, you're good, man, you're good. Everybody give it up for Jansen this morning. Jansen or Pastor Jay or Vonor resident, whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah, we're going to Vonor. That's an inside joke. Anyways, uh, this morning before I, I read you the highlights of a story, and I kind of want to lay some foundation. I kind of want to fill in the gaps for you this morning before we get off into the good stuff. And so I read you the story about a transition between Moses and Joshua. I read you this story about Moses dying on a mountain, Joshua taking over the reins of leadership, of leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of captivity, into the promised land. Out of, out of captivity, into, into freedom, right? And so when you have to understand something about Moses' life, Right? You have to understand about who Moses was and what his purpose was. When you read this text, it becomes more impactful when you realize that Moses had given his entire life to getting the children of Israel out of captivity, out of captivity and into liberty. He had given his whole life to be sure that the children of Israel would get to the place that God had called them to live, rule, and reign. Right? This was the assignment of Moses. Moses gave up everything that he would know. He, even in a moment of insecurity, and, and he didn't feel like that he was supposed to be the guy that took him there. And, and all of this other stuff, he gave his life to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt into the land of promise. And then you get to the end of Moses' life, and, and, and it, there's a twist in there. And it caught me off guard, especially the first time that I read it. I've told you that I've been wrestling with this for about three years, about what all this means for me. But, but there's a twist in there. God speaks to Moses when he is almost to the place that he called him to go. And he says, I want you to go up on this mountain. I want you to look at the place that you're called to inhabit, but I want you to die on the mountain. I want you to look at everything that I called you to walk in, but you can never walk in it. I want you to look at where I've called you to live. I want you to look at where I've called you to possess, but you can never 
go there. I just want you to see it. I don't want you to go and possess it. I just want you to see it. And that has always messed with me because Moses, it wasn't like that God, it wasn't like that the children of Israel didn't experience God move in the wilderness. It wasn't like the children of Israel didn't know who God was for themselves. They watched him part a Red Sea, right? They watched him provide manna for 40 years that fell out of the sky, right? They watched Moses strike a a rock with his staff and water come out of it. They have encountered God. They have been in the presence of God. They, They know who God is. This is the children of Israel. This is God's chosen people. This is not just some people that just got saved. And Moses has given his whole life to lead them into a land of freedom. And God speaks to him at the end of his life and he says, I want you to go up on this mountain. I want you to look at everything that I've called you to. And I want you to die. And this transition happens between Moses and Joshua. Now, I don't want you to view this as a physical, just this was a physical transition of leadership, but this is not a physical transition of leadership in the way that I'm talking about. It was a physical transition of mindsets, it was a transition of of leadership in the way that they thought. Right, And so when you have Moses and you have Joshua and this transition happens, what actually is being communicated, what actually I'm trying to tell you this morning is what got you to this place won't be getting you to the place that God has called you. What has got us here as a church won't take us to the next level that God has called us to go to. Right, The, the way that we've been doing things is not going to work in the next season. There's a transition happening. There is a a mindset shift going on. Moses, Joshua. It's amazing to me of precisely what happened between Moses and Joshua. I've always been gripped by this text. I've always read this text and be like, wow, I don't, whatever. It's awesome, anointed. I feel the presence of God. And I see this and I I, I see Joshua. I see Moses. And the question has always popped in my mind, what changed between Moses and Joshua? Why was Joshua allowed to go into a place that God had called him, but Moses was not. Moses has laid his whole life down for this, and Joshua just picks up the leadership role and takes it on where it's supposed to go. Right? What what has changed between Moses and Joshua? The Bible teaches, and the Bible tells us that these people, they are camped out by the river waiting to walk in everything that God had called them to. They are camped out by the Jordan, and all they have to do is walk across. All they have to do to possess everything that God has called them to possess, to take hold of everything that God has called them to take hold of, is walk across a river. That's all they have to do. They're there. And before they get ready to cross this river, 
They're getting ready to go. The Ark of the Covenant's there. They're placing a value on the presence of God above anything else. And before they get ready to go, Joshua looks at these people and he says this, Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourselves. I've got to know that you're fully giving yourself to this if you want to see God move in the way that He has showed the prophet Moses that He's going to move. Consecrate yourselves. Set yourselves apart for God to use and for God to use only. Moses and Joshua. The difference is that Moses thought that they could continue along with their lives as normal, continue doing the things that they they have been doing, and they would just one day end up where God has called them. But Joshua knew if you're ever going to get to the place that God has called you, there has to be a fresh consecration. Joshua knew before you get ready to move where God has called you to move or, or, or maneuver or shift in the way that God has called you to shift, there has to be a fresh consecration in your life. And if I believe that I have a pulse on anything, if I believe that I am halfway even remotely intelligent, I believe that there is a shift happening in our church and God is calling us to a fresh consecration. He is calling us to give ourselves to this thing like we've never given ourselves to this thing before. He's calling us to devotion. He's calling us to His presence. He's calling us to a fresh consecration as a group of people to build a community that is fiery, to build a culture where people can come in and have their lives changed forever. If I have a pulse on anything, I think that's where they're at. And I believe God is asking us as a church to fully give ourselves to this. He's asking us to fully give ourselves over to what He's calling us to do. He's calling us to build a fiery community. He's calling us to be, to be a consecrated people. He's calling us to create an atmosphere and a culture where people can come up and they can show up however they messed up they are, whatever's wrong with them, and they can encounter Jesus and they'll never be the same. He's calling us to create a family for lonely people. He's calling us to create an atmosphere that where people who are broken can come and be healed. He's calling us to create an atmosphere where people are depressed, they can come and find joy. He's calling us to create a community that that every need that people have, they get met in one moment in His presence. He's calling us not to be just another church on the block. Right? Right? He's not calling us just to be another church on the block. He's calling us to be a a community of people who are devoted, who are sold out to the call of God, who who are committed, who are consecrated to taking hold of everything that He's called us to take hold of. He's calling us to be that community. And I believe that we can have everything that God has called us to and I believe that we can have every I believe that we can take everything that God wants for us if we heed the words of Joshua. Consecrate yourselves. There has to be a fresh consecration. There has to be a fresh giving of self over to something before you can have it. 
It's just like following Jesus. It's just like following Jesus. You don't know everything that's going to happen. You just say yes. And everything usually turns out for the best. <laughs> right? Sometimes it don't. <laughs> right? I'm not going to, I'm not, I mean, it will eventually. <laughs> but initially, it doesn't look like it. Right? And so, I want just to talk to you briefly this morning on some things I believe that we have to give ourselves to fully if we want to be the fiery community that God has called to Knoxville. If we want to be not just another church on the block, right? We don't want to be just another church and just another community of people who, who have an instruction manual on how to do this thing, right? I, I value leaders and I value people who can hear what the Spirit is saying and go that way, right? I don't, like, I can tell you, I can tell you, I can, I, we have the playbook on how to run the play. You've heard Pastor Casey say this before. Right? But we don't just want to run the play. Right? Because when you run the same play enough, it's easy to stop. Right? It's easy to stop. And so I want to talk to you just for a second this morning on what I think that we have to give ourselves to fully and lay our lives down for if we want to build that community. Right? If we want to build that culture. There's some things that have to be at the forefront of our focus and our vision and what we value in our lives and what we're giving ourselves to. And I believe what Knoxville needs more than anything in the world is a group of people that believe, number one, what God tells them, and they believe that they can have it. Right? And I believe that we can have the fiery community that God is calling us to. I don't believe that we have to be like Moses and die on a mountain and waiting on everything that God has called us to. Seeing what He's called us to, but never walking in it. I don't believe that we have to be like Moses and give our lives to something and never really see it come fully to pass. Right? I know I was thinking about this the other day. I didn't, I didn't lay my life down to follow Jesus and give up everything that I have known to introduce people to just a counterfeit version of Him. I didn't move to Knoxville to create a culture like everybody else can create. I, I moved to Knoxville to be a part of a community and be a part of a culture that stewards the presence of God where people can come in and their lives are absolutely transformed forever. Right, and and this is this is something that I've been thinking about this week. Now that I'm preaching this, you all are obligated as well. <laughs> because this is what Lou Engle says. Lou Engle says revelation demands participation. Yes, that's so revelation demands for participation, and so you're knowing what we're trying to create here, and we're calling you to participate. We're not, this is not just for our leadership team, right? This is not just for the people who have been here since the beginning. This is for our church body and our church community. This stuff doesn't just get created by one person, right? This may, we, we, one person has the vision for this, and we're rallying around it. But it takes participation from everyone in our community to build what God is calling us to build here in Knoxville. And so... I believe more than anything in the world, what Knoxville needs is a fiery community. 
But what that looks like, number one, is people who value the presence of God. They value God showing up more than anything else in the world. When I was 17 years old, I can't tell you what happened to me on a Wednesday night in that room. I can't tell you what he preached. Actually, I can't tell you what he preached about. But I can't tell you the worship songs. I can't tell you. I can't tell you much other than what was going on. But I felt something that radically changed my life forever. I was introduced to a man named Jesus in a room when I was 17 years old. And it absolutely wrecked my life. I want to create and I believe that we are in the process of creating a culture and an atmosphere that things like that can begin to happen. That you may not know and you may not be sure about this Jesus thing and you may not, ah, you, you've heard some things about Hope Unlimited and that's fine. But when you walk into the room, there's going to be something undeniable and it's the presence of Jesus. It's the presence of God. One of the things that I love about this story Uh, that I read to you earlier, is when Joshua got ready to lead the people into everything that God had promised him, this is what he said. This is what he said. He said, we're going to send the Ark of the Covenant first. We're going to send the Ark of the Covenant first. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. We're going to send the Ark of the Covenant first. His presence is going to be our priority. We're not going to die in the river. We're not going to die on the mountain. But we're going to be a group of people that puts His presence first. He's our priority. He's our guide. He is what the agenda is. He is what the focus is. Joshua didn't even know where he was going, but he said, if the presence will just go first, I can follow that. And I believe we may not have all the answers, but if we can just put the presence first, I know that there's a group of people that know how to follow that. I know that there's some people in the house that can show up and say, I feel his presence in this room, and that's undeniable. When Joshua got ready to lead, He wasn't driven by a good vision. He wasn't driven by a trendy mission statement. He was driven by His presence. And I believe getting in the presence can get you those things. But you got to be driven by His presence. The Bible actually says, it actually says, send the Levitical priest ahead of you carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Because they will guide you down a path that you've never been before. And I want to contend for an atmosphere that has never been experienced before. I want to contend for a culture that has never been experienced before. I want to contend for a a church that is just the anomaly is anybody, do you, do you get what I'm saying? I don't want to be a part of something that's just like everyone else. I want to contend for something where people show up and it's like, man, I don't know much, but something's different. I don't know much, but something's different. We have to put His presence before anything else that we do. He has to be the central focus and the central thing, and and He has to be a priority even if it inconveniences us. Right? And what that looks like practically, maybe... Maybe, maybe this is too much. Maybe I've pushed Saturday morning prayer a little too much. But it's coming to Saturday morning prayer at 9 o'clock 
when it's inconvenient. Maybe too far of a drive. But if you really want this thing, I can tell you that we won't just get it by running the play. Right? I remember when I was, when I was 17, I experienced this presence that I'm talking about. And I said, I didn't know how I was going to do it. But I said, I want to see everyone in my high school come to know Jesus. Everyone, I want to see everybody in my high school come to know Jesus. I was 17 years old. I was involved with all kinds of sports. I was involved on all kinds of clubs and whatever. I, I was Mr. PHS. And I said, if I leave anything to this school, I want them to have an encounter with Jesus. These people know who I am. They know my name. But I want them to remember me by giving them an encounter with Jesus. And so this is what I did. Every day at lunch, I was an office aide from the time I was in 10th grade to the time I was in 12th grade. I had a scary principal that yelled at people all the time, and I, act like, I acted like I was typing something important so many times that it would make your head spin because he was yelling, and I was scared. He was a green beret. He was a green beret. And when he yells, it's a different type of yell, right? It's not your normal yell. And he was, he was full of the Holy Ghost. He was a man of God. And I said, Mr. Weatherly, um, I feel like that I'm supposed to not go to lunch every day for the rest of the year. And uh, I just want to go to this back room. And I want to pray for my school. And we, we had this event. And every person in my school answered an altar call to follow Jesus. You can have this, but you got to give yourself to it. It may be a little inconvenient for you. It may stretch you a bit, but I promise you that you can contend for it. I promise you that you can have it. It's available. Revival is available. Right? A move of God is available. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of hearing about moves of God. I want to experience a move of God. I want to be a part of a move of God that people talk about hundreds of years down the road. I'm tired of reading about revival. I'm tired of reading about God breaking out in places, and I believe it's awesome. Right? But I want to be in the middle of it. I want to be in the middle of it. I want to be in the middle of what God is doing. And if you want that, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you a fresh consecration to God. A fully giving yourself over to this. Giving yourself to what God has called us to do in Knoxville. I believe the second thing that we have to give ourselves to, and uh, Pastor Emily preached a phenomenal word on this, and we've been talking about this, but we've got to give ourselves to each other. It's not only giving ourselves to His presence, but it's giving ourselves to each other. Do you know that community, this is just coming off the dome, man. I've got notes, but scratch those. Do you know that community without communion isn't community? Community without communion is just unity, right? You're just involved around a certain topic. 
we don't want to be just involved around the topic of Jesus. We want to be a people that commune together with Him and are in unity together with each other and form a fiery community that transforms the city of Knoxville. We don't want to be just another group of people that show up and do church, right? You know it doesn't take much to do that, right? I'm being serious when I say that. A little bit of money and the right talent and you can show up and have church. But it takes something to host His presence. It costs you something to host His presence. Something has to... God, something has to get down on the inside of you that will transform a city, that will transform a community, that will change a culture. It takes something to host His presence. It takes a giving to Him and each other. When you give yourselves to each other, what does that look like? I remember uh, my dad was actually... He was about to die. Dad was about to die. He had this major surgery that was going south, right? Had this major surgery. He actually had some sort of, he had some sort of just crazy thing happen. He had a staph infection, and from that, it grew into something very dangerous very fast. And the, my, my stepmom called me and was like, I don't know if he's going to make it. And uh, at the time, I lived in Hamilton, and, and my, two of my best friends, two of my really good friends, they lived across the way in Weston. And I, I literally just went to their apartment, and I said, man, if we don't believe God for a miracle right now, my dad's going to die. Right? If we don't believe God for a miracle right now, I'm not going to have a dad. And he had just gotten saved. And me... And my friends, man, and, and Miss Pam Barnett, I remember I texted her. <laughs> and me and my friends, we absolutely just went after Jesus. We contended for our miracle. You need a group of people in your life that can contend for miracles with you. Not, not just go and grab coffee, and that's awesome. But when something has gone south to the point where you need God to show up or it's over... Right? You need a group of people that will contend for a miracle with you. You need a group of people that when you're going through something that you can just spill it out on them. Right? I remember those same people. I felt like that I was never going to preach again. I felt like that I was never going to do ministry again. I felt like that I was never called, I was not even called to do this. And, uh, I went to them and I said, this is, this is how I'm feeling. And they were like, no, actually, you're going to be preaching this week, right? They, they made me do what they knew I was called to do. They wouldn't let me just escape, right? And you need a group of friends, you need a group of people around you that just won't let, that won't let you escape. They won't let you isolate yourself, right? You need those people. Right, this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible about community is James 5:16. It says, "Confess your sins to one another and you will be healed." And you will be healed, not you might be healed. Because there's healing in confiding in someone. There's healing. Sometimes sometimes I know that people maybe think you're being dramatic, but there's healing in spilling your guts out to somebody. And I'm not talking about on Facebook. 
right? I'm talking about like in the privacy of someone's home over a good, fresh, cooked meal, right? That's, what, that's the type of community that I'm talking about. We can be that, but we've got to give ourselves to that type of community. And it may cost us something, but I promise you what's on the other side of it is so much greater than what you, we have right now, right? I don't want to be, I don't want to be a church that, or I don't want to be a part of a church that runs hundreds and thousands of people, but you still have that lonely person walking in every Sunday. I don't want to have any lonely people in a crowded room. I want lonely people to be set in a family. And we want lonely people to be set in a family. And we can have that if we give ourselves to becoming that family. Right? I believe the last thing that we have to give ourselves to the last thing that we have to give ourselves to, and there's more than this, and, and you'll probably hear more of this, so it's not the last thing, but I believe another thing that we have to give ourselves to and we have to fully give ourselves to is our world. We can't let... We are robbing people from an encounter with the real living Jesus when we ignore people that we walk by every single day. Right? I've become, I, I have made it an absolute priority in myself to become more intentional with people that I'm seeing on a daily basis. With my customers that I have at work, I travel all over the place. I want them to know that there's something different when I show up. Right? I want them to know that there's something. Man, I had an encounter, and, 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 and I had an encounter with the Lord and a person when I worked at AT&T back many days ago with my friend Brandon here. Now Brandon works with me at my job, right? And so, um, so I, my, um, my boss sent me to a different store for a day. And it was like midway through the day and I was getting very annoyed because I did not like the people there, right? I'm just being real with you, being real. Confess your sins to one another, you'll be healed. Um, um, and so, but I remember I was standing there, and you have to open the door for everyone. And I remember I walk up, and I open the door for this man, and he just stops and look at me. And he was like, he just starts crying. He's like, you've been with Jesus. And I was believing God for those kind of moments, those kind of encounters. And so I know that they can happen. And I want us to be a group of people that when we show up in places, that people can tell that we've been with Jesus. There's something different about us. There's something that we carry that not everyone else quite carries that. You know, in, in, in John chapter 4, you read about... You, John and Peter are being persecuted for the miracle that just happened in John chapter 3. And they show up and they're put on trial. And it says this, The people were in awe and they were astonished because, and they were astonished because they could tell by the confidence that they observed in Peter and John that they had been with Jesus. They, they weren't educated. They weren't smart. They couldn't tell anything else really about them, but they knew that they had been with Jesus. And we can be a people where people know that we have been with Jesus. We can be a people that contend for His presence and that contend for community to the point where people can tell that we have been with Jesus. If you read the book of Acts, that's all it is. is it's people that are given to His presence and they're given to community and then God gives them to a world. 
right? And so if we're going to be what the book of Acts, what Pastor Casey has been talking about over the past few weeks, we have to be given to his presence, we have to be given to each other, and then we can be given to our worlds. Right, And when I, read, when I read the book of Acts, that's what I see. I see a group of people in Acts chapter 2 that have an encounter with God. I see them giving themselves to each other. And then I keep reading in the book of Acts. And you see Peter walking by, uh, uh, walking by a group of people. They heard he was coming to town because he just healed a man who, at a gate called Beautiful who was lame. He just healed this man. And, 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 and in Acts chapter 5, people start dragging people out and laying them by the road because he's sick because this man is coming to town. That's not just for the man of God. That's for every believer. That's for every person. You have the power to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. You have the power to create atmosphere. You have the power to create culture. You have the, you have the power. You have the call to do it now. I don't know if it's from God, but it sure is from me. But you have the call to do it now. And revelation demands participation. Stand to your feet. I don't know about you, but man... Uh, scratch the notes, right? <laughs> I've just been feeling this in me, right? I've just been feeling this in me. And that's all, that's all I know to say. If we want everything that God has for us and we don't want to be a church that dies just looking out on the mountain saying, man, this is what I should have done. This is what could have been. I could have walked all in that. I could have been a part of that. Right? If we don't want to be that community, if we don't want to be that church, and I know that Pastor Casey doesn't want to be that church, I know our leadership team doesn't want to be that church, I know I don't want to be that church. We have to give ourselves to what God is calling us to do. There has to be a fresh consecration. Before we cross into everything that God is calling us to do, there has to be a fresh consecration. There has to be a fresh giving of ourselves over to God. Over to His presence. Over to community. Into our worlds. And I don't want to just be I don't want to just be another church on the block. I don't want to just attend another church on the block. I want to go somewhere and be a part of something where God is moving Revival is breaking out. I don't, want, I don't want to talk about having revival. I want to create an atmosphere where revival is always. I don't want to just one day keep reading about revival. And even though they're fun stories, wouldn't it just be a lot cooler if we just started one ourselves? I don't want to read about when I go on and get whatever degrees I'm going to get one day, I don't want to be there sitting there and be reading about all these moves of God thinking that I can't have it because I know that I can. I know that we can. And I'm just asking you this morning, do you want this thing? Do you want God to move in this city? Do you want the homosexual to come and be set free? Do you want the depressed to come and find a joy that'll never fade away? 
Do you want the broken to come and be healed? Do you want the recently divorced to be put back together? Do you want the Hispanic? Do you want the African American? Do you want the do you want the Chinese, the Japanese? Do you want all of them? All of those people that don't look like me, that may not look like you, that may not look, do you want the people who don't look like you to come and experience that same thing? Here's what I know. In Acts chapter 2, there were all kinds of different races there. And the Spirit interpreted to them what was going on. I believe revival can be that. I believe it doesn't have to look white, black, whatever. I don't believe it has to look any of that. Do you want the racist person to come and have an encounter with Jesus and his heart be changed forever? If you want that, we have to be a group of people that say yes to giving ourselves to that completely. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.